This afternoon, congregation, I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 6 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 6. And there the, the church has summarized the word of God as follows. Why must he, that is the, the mediator and deliverer we need to seek, why must he be a true and righteous man? He must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which is sin should pay for sin. He must be a righteous man because one who himself is a sinner cannot pay for others. Why must he at the same time be true God? He must be true God so that by the power of his divine nature he might bear in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness and life. But who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. From where do you know this? From the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise. Later he had it proclaimed by the patriarchs and prophets and foreshadowed by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he had it fulfilled through his only son. So far, our confession. Beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes also the boys and girls here. This afternoon after the baptism and before the celebration of the Lord's Supper, we confess Lord's Day 6 from the Bible. And, and it's, it's appropriate because in both sacraments, the reconciliation with God in Christ is signified and sealed to us, our reconciliation with God in Christ. And that's our theme, our reconciliation with God in Christ, and we see three things in connection with that, the joy of that, secondly, the value of that, and thirdly, the wonder of that. First of all, the joy of our reconciliation. I don't know if you, if you sense that, but Lord's Day 6 is actually a very joyful Lord's Day, especially the last two questions and answer, and that joy in this Lord's Day is kind of easy to miss for us. We sometimes read the Bible, also our catechism, like we read something in a different language which we've learned. For instance, you've learned French and you read something in French, then you, you, you can easily miss the nuances in certain words and expressions, the emotion when you're reading something in a, in a language that you learned later on. For instance, the joy expressed in certain phrases in that language, you, you don't necessarily pick that up. Well, you have that with the catechism too. You know the words, probably memorize them in catechism and so on, but you don't necessarily then feel them you don't necessarily feel the joy of Lord's Day 6, especially in those last two questions and answers, but who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you see Jesus Christ here is an imaginably, shown as an imaginably great gift from God a gift through which everything is made right between 
us sinners and the holy God. And the, the, Bible, the Bible is quoted by the catechism, joyfully quoted about that. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, just piling on the words. He's, he's everything to us. And you know, the part we read in 2 Corinthians 5 says something the same about Christ with a lot of joy there. You, you, you sense throughout that passage that the Apostle Paul is ecstatic about Jesus Christ. He's willing to do everything for the Lord Jesus Christ. Every fiber of his existence is focused on proclaiming Christ. After his appointment as apostle, he's beside himself with joy in Christ, love for Christ. This is my mediator. He says about himself and the other preachers in verse 14 that the love of Christ compels him and others to preach Christ. The love of Christ pushes him because he believes that one died for all and therefore all have died. So what's actually behind that great joy in Christ in Lord's Day 6 then? Well, as we mentioned, the reconciliation which God has brought about in Christ. Reconciliation. So that everything, everything is right between us and God, and God and us. Reconciliation, you can think here of a relationship within the covenant of marriage. Oh, on the wedding day, the couple were quite joyful with each other. They accepted each other as amazing gift from God. But later, Life kicked in and all kinds of things happened. The couple went through a number of conflicts, small and great. On occasion, they almost lost touch with each other and at times stood with their backs to each other. But they found each other again and accepted each other again as gift from God. And through all that, their relationship became stronger, was cemented stronger than ever. Well, the believer who is speaking in the catechism knows from the beginning already that he belongs with body and soul, both in life and death, to Jesus Christ, Lord's Day 1. But what that means, that belonging to Jesus Christ, is something that he can only discover over time and through experience. In Lord's Day 2, he discovers that we absolutely don't deserve the love of God in Christ. We don't live at Christ's level when it comes to love because by nature we're selfish and egotistical. So how can that relationship with God continue? And you realize it can't. Because in Lord's Day 3, we confess that it's not just a superficial problem. But 
one that reaches very deeply into our lives. We're born in sin. We're born with it inside us already, baked in us. It's baked in us. And sin continually wells up from our hearts like water coming out of a spring, poisoning every aspect of our life. Even the good things we do are stained with it. Even our best works. And how could we ever be reconciled to God then? And then Lord's Day 4, we confess that a dark and terrible cloud of God's wrath actually hangs over our lives. And in Lord's Day 5, we try to present solutions to that great problem between God and us. Can that great cloud be somehow taken away? Is there some way we can escape that just judgment of God against us? Can, can we not pay for our sins ourselves? Can another mere creature like us pay for us? But all those other possible solutions don't lead anywhere. They're not going to bring about real reconciliation with God. So how could things ever again be good between God and us? We're at a dead end. What started out so beautifully has ended in a big failure. But then comes Lord's Day 6. And in this Lord's Day, we confess joyfully this amazing, wise solution from, from the gospel, which God provided himself. And that solution is in the person of Jesus Christ, true man, true God. He makes it right again between God and us. Not superficially, but completely, deeply, fully right. Our relationship with the Almighty is then not like a marriage which has gone sour, but in which husband and wife say to each other, well, let's just put on smiley faces and go on as if nothing has happened between us. That's, that's something, something like how we uh, sometimes solve our problems, don't we, as people? Or at least we try to. We agree to disagree. But that's, that's only a short-term solution. That's not reconciliation. That's not God's way of dealing with our broken relationship with Him. Jesus Christ, man and God, brought about total reconciliation. The problems were exposed Named and then dealt with and finished with. And that's what makes the Apostle Paul so enthusiastic about his ministry in that passage we, we read from 2 Corinthians. He writes in verse 18, he writes there, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Paul is excited to be able to proclaim that Christ has fully, totally, completely dealt with the guilt of sin. The wrath of God doesn't have a right to us anymore. There is now room for the Holy Spirit to come and work in us. 
we have been fully reconciled with God. We don't have to act as if we have been reconciled with God. Play the game? No. Christ has truly reconciled us with Him. And that's the joyful thing about the baptism of little Flynn here this afternoon, that washing with water is a washing of reconciliation. And that's also the joyful thing about our Lord's Supper celebration congregation. It's a meal of reconciliation. And that reconciliation with God means total reconciliation. And it gives us room to live and breathe and, and work in this life which has been so busted up by sin. We can build up a life with God here as long as he deems it good for us to have it. And that's also why Paul implores the congregation in verse 20 then too. He says, be reconciled to God then. Live as a reconciled person. Notice he doesn't say reconcile yourself with God. Then you have to do it yourself and you can't. Oh, he says, be reconciled to God. Christ has brought about this reconciliation for you. He has sealed it to you. In the sacraments, he seals it to you, signifies and seals it to you, proclaims it to you. What more can he do to tell you that in Christ you are reconciled? Now, be reconciled to God. Let him into your life. Embrace Jesus Christ, your reconciler. Stand in the space where there is peace with God through him. You have been reconciled. Live, speak, act as reconciled people. The second point was the value of that reconciliation with God and Christ. As Paul says, and Lord's Day 6 shows, reconciliation is something extremely valuable, not only for the future, but for now already. That you can live here as a reconciled person. If you've ever experienced true reconciliation with someone that you, were, that you had a conflict with, then you, you know about this. Then you become a different person. You can become a different person from that. You, first, you stood with your backs to each other. But then you dealt with things, you dealt with it all, you made it right, and then you learned to see the good in each other again, to love one another again, to go on together in life. You didn't just find a way to live with each other, because that's compromise by which you just live alongside each other. You both remain the same and you just agree to disagree. And then it doesn't come to a real relationship with each other. You don't become true friends. You just tolerate each other. That's how people often deal with trouble, right? Between people. And in a certain way, yeah, that it allows you to go on for a time. But it's not real reconciliation. It's compromise. And compromises like that don't really bring about love for each other. They don't change the people involved. But the consequence of reconciliation is full restoration of the relationship. And it results in love for one another. And that's the value of reconciliation. 
God has reconciled us to himself in Christ. And I mentioned, if you become reconciled to somebody, you're gonna become a different person toward, toward that other person by that. It enriches your relationship with that person. And in fact, with others too. Reconciliation makes you happy and enthusiastic. It puts a bounce in your step. I don't, that's not between us anymore. And if it doesn't make you that, if it doesn't make you happy and enthusiastic, then it's not real reconciliation that you've experienced. But it's, it's a compromise. So reconciliation is beautiful, valuable. But it can only exist, too, where there is a full confession of guilt, real contrition, true repentance, and where there's also declaration of forgiveness. Lord, I made a mess out of things. Please forgive. And then he declares forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness are the way to reconciliation. If those things are there, you can embrace each other again and accept one another again in love. It's not meeting each other halfway. It's totally clearing everything up between you and the other and fully giving yourself to the other and accepting the other. That's reconciliation and that's the beauty of it, the, the value of it. It makes a different person out of you. That's already the case between people, but especially the case when there's reconciliation between God and you and Jesus Christ. It makes you a new person. That's what the Apostle Paul says in verse 17 of what we read. Therefore, he says, if anyone is in Christ, the reconciler, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. At one time, Paul, you know, a new creation means, by the way, that you, you become a thoroughly different person then because of reconciliation with God and Christ. You, you become different. Paul experienced that since he learned Christ, since he became reconciled to God through Christ. He saw and he judged things in a different way. He writes 2 Corinthians 5 or 16, therefore, he says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we now know him thus no longer. Paul and the others had, had seen Christ as just another man before. Paul, you know, had persecuted the church, the followers of this man. And he saw, too, the cross as a sign of Christ's defeat. But since he and others came to know Christ, to truly know Christ, as their mediator, they no longer saw him that way. They now saw and accepted him as their Savior and Lord. They saw his cross as victory. And you see, someone who is reconciled with God in Christ sees everything differently judges everything differently. Then the story of Jesus coming into this world and his suffering and his cross is not foolishness, but is wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And living 
for God in Christ is not foolishness, is not a waste of time, but it's living out of your Savior, your mediator, as reconciled person, living with God as reconciled person. We come to the third part of the sermon, the wonder of that reconciliation with God through Christ. How did that reconciliation actually come about? I mentioned a few things, but reconciliation begins when the offended, it actually begins when the offended party steps over and graciously reaches out to the offender. That's a move that leaves the offender's self-worth intact. Otherwise, it's just a form of manipulation. Reaches out to the offender. And then full justice has to be done with respect to the wrong done. You can't shove things under the rug and then call that reconciliation. And then you realize, if you think about a few of those things that's necessary for reconciliation, that a lot of creativity and love was needed to reconcile us sinners with God. A lot was needed. A lot of wisdom, love. Any reconciliation among people will take creativity and love already too, and a lot of grace. How much more the reconciliation of sinners with God, holy God. But God decided to do that from his side first. He had a wonderful plan, a beautiful plan, one that no human mind or heart could have ever dreamt up. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What an awesome God. What an awesome way that God invented to reconcile us to himself. He reached out to us. He gave himself 100% in his eternal and beloved son, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to us. Sent his son into this world to become one of us. True man. And in Jesus Christ then, God left man in his self-worth, his dignity. And Lord's Day 6 emphasizes that the mediator had to be true and sinless man. Man sinned against God, therefore the same human nature had to pay for sin. Reconciliation could only take place from within the human race, otherwise it couldn't be reconciliation. And God provided for that in his wisdom. At the same time, the only way the guilt, that burden of the guilt of sin could actually be fully taken away, that punishment fully absorbed, if, is if that man who bore that guilt was also God's son. And God wonderfully planned that that was the way he was going to do it right from the beginning when Adam and Eve fell and on. We confess Lord's Day 6, he, he proclaimed it in paradise and he had that incredible plan 
proclaimed by patriarchs and prophets and foreshadowed by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. See, that whole Bible is an unfolding of God's creative, wonderful plan to reconcile us to himself. And that plan was perfectly fulfilled on the cross by Jesus Christ. True man, at the same time, true God. On the cross, human sin and divine love came together in a breathtaking way. On that cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That reconciliation is revealed to us in the gospel, the good news, and signified and sealed to us by the sacraments. God comes to little Flynn and to all of us in our baptism, and he comes to us in the Lord's Supper, and he reaches out to us in the gospel, and he tells us in word and sacrament, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, and so be fully, totally, completely, utterly reconciled with God. And the question then is, will you let yourself be reconciled to him? As Paul says, be reconciled to him then. And will you then also live as a new person, a new creation? Amen.